0: Okay, great. So we are in the series about rocks of the heart. We are looking at things that potentially could uh, exist in our lives that could create a blockage for what God wants to do in us and through us. And uh, we're looking at things that can affect us individually, but also as a church as we come together. And we don't want to have those in our lives. We want them to be dealt with. We want to root them out and make sure that there is nothing that would hinder what God wants to do through us. Last week, David started the series looking at self-sufficiency, how we can have a tendency to rely on ourselves and plough straight in and to, to join in with songs like, I did it my way, as we did last week. But God wants us to be reliant on him and to follow and be obedient to him. In the coming weeks, we're also going to be looking at rocks such as judgment, apathy, and unbelief. Today we're going to be looking at the subject of disappointment. But before we do, I just want to flag up again uh, one of the books that David mentioned last week, Sustainable Power by Simon Holly. Uh, Simon Holly leads our group of churches, Catholic churches, and is based at King's Arms up in Bedford. Uh, It's a fantastic book and explores a lot of these rocks of the heart, but also just about living supernaturally, expecting God to move in us and through us, not just when we're gathered together as church, but when we're out doing our day-to-day jobs and seeing different people. So that that expectation is packed full of stories of things they've seen, but also very honest about the way that he personally has battled through and they've seen members of their church battle through. So that's that one. Uh, Also, in a similar vein, is uh, Naturally Supernatural, which is by Wendy Mann, who is also at King's Arms Bedford. uh, And she tackles... Similar issues, but again, with her stories. So both of them, easy read in terms of flow, but very, very challenging. Uh, and they're the sort of books that you can keep going back to and rereading and going, oh, wow, yes. And the thing that I find encouraging about both of them is it's they're telling stories, including amazing miracles, that are happening just up the road in Bedford, 45 minutes away. So I'd encourage you to read either of those. They look at some of these things that we're talking about, rocks of the heart, but also, okay, once you've dealt with them, what sort of things can you expect? Okay. So, today we're going to be looking at disappointment. And uh, this is something that we will all face at some time. It's not if we face disappointment. We will all face disappointment. And there might be relatively small things that cause us to be disappointed. to so very, very big things. You know, maybe it's not getting the exam results that we wanted... Or a friendship or relationship not working out the way we thought it might. It might be the fact that we're still single. Or the fact that we were married and now divorced. Or maybe we've lost someone. Maybe it's miscarriage. Maybe it's missing out on that promotion we thought was definitely going to be ours. Prayers that we've prayed for years and never seen an apparent answer. There's so many things that can lead to disappointment. For me this has been a significant rock. In fact, when I think about the ones we're looking at over this series, this is probably one that I'm most aware of in my life. And I have to keep dealing with it. In fact, I'm not someone who keeps a regular journal, but I do keep a journal. Here it is, labelled journal, just so that you know it's a journal. (coughs) But it's one that I, when I hear particular things from God, or there's a particularly, uh, I guess, intense... Time. I make notes in it and I write down some of the things I've been experiencing. And in preparing this, I was flicking through and realised just how often disappointment has been something I've noticed and faced. So I'm speaking to you today, not as an expert, but someone who has seen it and is seeking to deal with it. I guess one of the most recent times when I noticed that I was being hit with disappointment was when Lynn Sparks died. Just a warning right now, there may well be tears during this preach. I remember standing here in the middle of February and encouraging us all to pray for our then mayor, who'd been diagnosed with cancer. And I really felt God was going to heal her. And we rallied and we prayed because she'd been on a downward slope and I believed And I was crying out, and you joined me. And yet, little did we know, when we were standing here praying that Sunday morning, she'd already died the night before. And I remember Sam and Emma telling me at the end of the meeting that she'd gone. And yet, I was upset. And that sense of loss. She was an amazing woman. But more than that, I realised that I was disappointed. I was disappointed, and I was disappointed with God. Because I really believed he was going to heal her. See, three years before, many of you know, my dad died of cancer. And I thought I'd worked through the disappointment from that. And indeed, I had. There have been times, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, I prayed through things. But what it highlighted was I hadn't finished... There was more to be done. I was disappointed then that God hadn't healed my dad, although I'm grateful he's now with him and having the best time ever. But I really thought this time, this time with Lynn, it would be different. God would heal her cancer. So it really hit me when he didn't. What did I do? Well, at the time, not a lot. I pushed it down. I pushed it aside. I brushed it under the carpet. Does that sound familiar? It wasn't until Resonate, a conference I went to in March, where God brought me to my knees. and said, now's the time. You can't keep brushing it under the carpet. And I stood here at the front the day after I got back from the conference, and I said how it was a two-day conference, and I spent the first day pretty much on my knees crying. And when we were asked to turn to the person next to us and say, what were we taking home from that first day? I turned to Lizzie and said, a pocket full of wet tissues. (laughs) Because there was all this disappointment, this discouragement that I'd pushed down and brushed under the carpet, but it wasn't going away. It was becoming this enormous mound, and it needed to be dealt with. So I went through a process over that particular day, just working through things. And it was messy, and it wasn't very pleasant, but it was so important. And the very next day, oh my goodness, what a difference. I felt like hope had been rekindled. It wasn't that those things that had led to the disappointment didn't happen, but God had worked in me and brought relief. He brought freedom, and that's what he wants for each one of us. That's what he wants for each one of us. There was a significant difference. I could tell there was a lightness in my step. It wasn't that I would never be disappointed again, and I can assure you I have been since. But there was a difference, and he was teaching me that I needed to deal with it. It wasn't a one-off hit. It was an ongoing process, and it will be. We have to keep short accounts of disappointment. We need to keep going over and dealing with things as they come up. God's gentle. He doesn't necessarily make us say, right, here's all the disappointment, here's this great big mountain, with it all at once. It may well be chipping away bit by bit, and that's certainly what I've experienced. But each time, there's a greater level of freedom. And although it might be painful to face up to it, it is so worth it. You know, what was amazing at this Resonate conference was... Um, they had a background to the songs, and they actually had a moving image. And this moving image was uh, an underwater scene. So just below the surface of the sea, it was a calm sea, and you could see there was a light shining through. You know how you get it? Maybe if you've gone swimming and you've looked up, and there was this light shining through. Under the water, I couldn't breathe. I needed to come up, but I needed to make the decision to come up to breathe. God's light was there. I could, if I broke through the surface, I knew I'd know the warmth and the light, but I had to make that decision to deal with the disappointment, to come up to breathe and know that. So what we're going to look at this morning is this area of disappointment, and we're going to look at why we need to make sure we deal with it, and then how do we go about dealing with it. How do you deal with disappointment? Are you like me? Or you brush it under the carpet. we have the next slide, please? Do you brush it under the carpet? The trouble is it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. We can't ignore it forever. It's not really a solution. There are serious consequences when we just keep moving on. When we don't admit and we try and just say, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. You know, Phil Playford, who used to lead one of the New Frontiers churches down in Sussex, said disappointment is like the unspoken killer. I read someone else who said it's the silent killer. Bill Johnson, who leads Bethel Church in California, says that, in his opinion, the biggest, breakthrough, biggest barrier to breakthrough in the UK is disappointment in believers' hearts that has never been processed the consequences to us not dealing with disappointment have an impact on us and everyone around us so not dealing with disappointment in no particular order it can lead to unbelief it can lead to unbelief god didn't do that then so he won't do it next time that's certainly where i got to after my dad died we prayed that he would be healed of cancer God chose not to do it. And for ages afterwards, I battled. I could pray for other things, but praying for cancer, really? But he didn't heal Dad. And I had to press through. And that's when I got to the place with Lynn, and I was like, yeah, I can do it again. And that's why it hit me so hard. It can lead to unbelief. And if we start in that, it can affect those around us as well. Because we can start saying things like, well, God doesn't do that. He didn't do it then. He won't do it again. And it, thoughts get into other people's heads. So this unbelief spreads. And we're going to come back to this issue of unbelief in a few weeks' time. Because it's so key. It's yet another one of the big rocks that we need to be tackling. See, faith is like belief and Expectation. To have faith that God's going to work, you need to believe that he is able to, but also expect that he will. And when we get disappointed, it attacks our expectation, and therefore our faith drops off. It's clearly not a great place to be, is it? It can also mean we end up playing it safe. We pull back from taking risks. Because when we did before we fell flat on our face it didn't work out so we take step back we might still turn up to things but we might just be there in body but not really being active you know maybe some of you here this morning you're still turning up but it's just because that's what you do you step back you kind of come in on yourself you keep to what you know and stop taking risks well god's called us to change the world He's called us to influence everywhere we go for his kingdom. That's difficult to do if we're riddled with disappointment and unbelief. It can also, also cause us to take offence with God. Bitterness creeps in. Why did God allow this? Why would he let this happen to me? Why didn't he intervene? It's your fault, God. Now, while it's okay to question, and we're going to look at that in a little bit, when, we lead, when it becomes blaming and accusing God, that's where we cross the line. We can get bitter. We can get angry. You know, it's very similar to when a person has hurt us and we carry that unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And it leads us to being bitter and angry. Now, it's not that God's done anything wrong, but the end result in us can be similar. We hold on to it. God should have done that. He should have given me that job. He should have let me find my married partner. He should have allowed me whatever it might be. We get a story in the Gospels about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist, who baptised Jesus. John the Baptist, who'd heard Jesus say things like, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To do what? To set the captives free. Well, Matthew 11, where is John the Baptist? He's in prison. I would imagine that would be something that would shake someone who heard his very own cousin say, I've come to set the captives free. Well, where are you? I'm in prison. So he sent out his disciples to ask Jesus Jesus and his disciples, are you the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus replied saying, the sick are being healed, the dead are being raised. But he also says, blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. Jesus could see there was a possibility there that offense could set in, and he didn't want that for John the Baptist. Offense can creep in. We can become bitter towards God because things haven't panned out the way that we thought they should. And I guess the outworking of that is they can derail our faith altogether. We can give up altogether. I don't want anything more to do with this. God's let me down one too many times, I'm out of here. What's the point? Disappointment is a toxic, toxic thing. It leaves us feeling crushed, discouraged, disillusioned. Proverbs 13 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. For me this mountain of disappointment that I kept brushing under the carpet was like having poison on tap and I kept going back to it and drinking from it and I needed to stop because it was not doing me any good and therefore not doing people around me good. It's not what God wants for us. He wants good things for us. His plans are to give us a hope. You know, as a church, we've had various words over the last few months. For those of you who kind of have been listening out, you might have noticed there's been various words that God wants to deal with, discouragement and disappointment. We had it at our family meeting a few months ago. We've had it here on a Sunday morning a few times. God wants to bring freedom. He doesn't want us to sit with this mound under our carpet of disappointment that actually ends up crushing us and leaving us in despair. We need to learn how to express and work through disappointment in a healthy way. And that's what I have been learning to do, somewhat painfully, but importantly, and what I continue to learn to do. So what does it look like? How do we do that? Because that's a pretty bleak picture, isn't it? We don't want to stay there. God doesn't want to keep us there. He wants to bring freedom. So how do we do it? How do we walk into freedom from this stranglehold of disappointment. As I've said before, it's not a one-hit thing. It's something we probably have to keep going over and over because things will come along. It's not if, but it is when things happen or don't happen. So first and foremost, we need to be honest with God. Some of you might struggle with that idea. I couldn't possibly tell God that. Well, the thing is, let me tell you something. He knows anyway. He's not going to be shocked. I can't believe you were thinking that. He wants us to be honest, to share how we're feeling, to share about our pain and our disappointment and what has led to it. When this happened, it left me feeling this, God. Cry out to him. Write it down if it helps. (laughs) Tell a friend. But find a way of expressing the raw emotions of where you're at. And it may well be messy. And it might involve loud shouting. And if you live in a house with thin walls, you might want to think how you do that in case you scare the neighbours. But there's find a place, find a way of expressing your emotions. It's so important that we don't skip over this part because, as you'll see, there are various other steps. And for many of us, we like there's some that we perhaps naturally skip to. Oh, we can't possibly be like this with God. Let's just get on to the bit where we focus on how great God is and how he's going to help us. Yes, that will come, but we need to express where we're at. Get real with God. He knows it anyway. Do you know what? Coming to our Father when we're in pain, especially in pain that we think he could have done something about, is the highest form of trust and intimacy. Think about some of the Psalms. They're so helpful in this. Psalm 13. Have you ever spoken to God like this? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? That's how Psalm 13 opens. That's pretty raw. God wants us to be real with him. Secondly, and that actually brings me on, use the psalms. When we're in our disappointment, use them. If you're not sure how to articulate things, have a look through. There may well be some psalms that help you. You could use them word for word. You could use them as an inspiration to help get these things across to God. See how they then move on from expressing their feelings, their raw emotion, and they move through a process. They don't stick there. It's important we don't settle there because that's when bitterness and offence will stay. And if all we're doing is articulating how wrong we feel and how bad we feel God's been to us, we need to move on. And how do we move on? Psalm 13, if we go back to that one, the very next verse, verse 3, says, Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or i will sleep in death david moves from saying this is where i'm at this is the pain i'm feeling how i'm feeling you've, you've left me i'm all alone to then crying out help me lord he cries he prays then where do we go we focus onto god's character don't skip straight there but it's important we get there we need to remind ourselves god is good that is who he is. He is good. He is love. He's not just loving, He is good, and he is love. You know, the prayer meeting before the, the meeting this morning, God just showed me a, a, an image of a slab of rock jutting out from the ground, kind of sticking out. And this slab of rock was big, and on it it just said, "God is good. God is love." And there was mounds of soil and things around. But then someone came along and they started removing the soil. And almost like an archaeologist, little brushes just flicking off some of the details. And as they did, the slab just was there underneath it all. And it said, God is good. God is love. Sometimes it can get covered up. Perhaps with some of the mounds of disappointment, gets covered up. But underneath that slab is still there. God is good. God is love. He is a generous father. Did you notice we got stuck in worship this morning? singing a couple of lines over and over again. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. It was almost like it was stuck. It was on repeat. When we're facing disappointment, we need to Keep coming back to these truths about who God is. He is good. He is love. He is generous. He loves you. Yeah, he loves the person next to you as well, but he loves you. One of the things someone spoke over me when I was facing disappointment was they said, God has not abandoned or forgotten you. And I declare that over you this morning. God has not abandoned or forgotten you. He will never leave you or forsake you. You might feel like you're on your own sometimes, but he has promised to be with you to the very end of the age. He keeps his promises. He has said one day, one day, there will be no more tears. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more death. And we might not see that yet, but there will be a day when it will come. And he will see it through. So even in our darkest moments, we need to remind ourselves, as the psalmist did, that God is good. In fact, Psalm 13, that started, how long, O Lord, how does it finish? How does it finish? It's only six verses long. I would imagine it's a summary of what David has been through. But where does he end up? But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. What a transition. If God can do it for David, he can do it for us. He can take us from how long, O Lord, to declaring he has been good to me. The next stage or another step in walking free from disappointment is to thank God for what he has done and is doing. It's so tempting and so easy to dwell on all that God hasn't. Oh, but he hasn't healed my friend yet. Oh, he hasn't given me the job that I want yet. Oh, he hasn't given me my marriage partner. Oh, he hasn't allowed me to have children. Oh, he hasn't done this. It's very, very easy to dwell on those things. And again, it leads us on a spiral downwards, bitterness and offence and a crushed spirit. And yet there's so much that God has done and continues to do. We need to make sure we remind ourselves and remind each other, hey, look, what about when God did this? Do you know, Romans 6.23 is a pretty damning verse. It says, the wages of sin is death. You and I deserve nothing more than death. We have all sinned. We deserve nothing more than death, and yet God, in his mercy and his love, chooses to restore us, give us hope. He gives us an eternal life with him. Holding that in our heads helps us to receive everything, no matter how small, with gratefulness. We deserve death, and yet, what have we got? This and this and this and this and this. Foster an attitude of gratitude. As a family, we, over dinner time, just name three things each day that we're grateful for. They might be very small things, but it's helping to shift from focusing on what God hasn't done and how, how woe is my life and how disappointing it's been, Focusing on God is good and He has great things for us. As part of this, thanking God for what He's done, it's also celebrating other people's breakthrough, even when we haven't necessarily seen it ourselves. And that isn't always easy, in fact, it can be incredibly difficult, but it's so important. You know, David and I and a few others, we, we often go to meetings up at King's Arms and we hear stories of what's happening in other churches and it's, it could be so easy just to go, oh great, it's them. God's doing that for them. Nothing here though. Yet if we choose to celebrate other people's breakthrough, it brings release for us. You know, Simon Holly in his book, Sustainable Power, says this, Celebrating others' breakthrough is very often the ground that prepares us for our own. It also models something of our father's family in a unique way. Instead of becoming bitter over the blessings that others receive, we're truly able to rejoice with those who rejoice. So we need to thank God for what he has done and is doing. And the last step of walking into freedom from disappointment is to lay down our right to understand. There will always be mysteries in this life. There will be things that we don't know. Often we believe that as long as, if I can just understand what's going on, then I will have peace. And it will all be fine. But we get things muddled up, because that's not what it says in Scripture. It doesn't say once you understand, you'll have peace. In fact, what does it say in Philippians 4, verse 7? It says, ask God, and he will give you the peace that surpasses understanding. So though you might not understand, he will give you peace. There will be mysteries. You know, for me, um, 21st of June, 2015, just over three years ago, it was Father's Day that year, and I wrote in my journal... Because I was wide awake at 1.30 in the morning. I'm not generally wide awake at 1.30 in the morning. And it says here I was awake for a, about an hour and a half. And I, was, I wrote in here, I was overwhelmed. I was feeling lonely. I was feeling disappointed. I was frustrated. It was the first Father's Day since my dad had died and I was battling, and I was struggling. So what did I do? I went through this process. I cried out to God. I told him where I was at. I told him how I was feeling. I then turned to some psalms. I wrote them down. I read Psalm 13, funnily enough. I read a few others, 22, 3, 4, and 5, 34, 91, 120, 130, This is why I was up an hour and a half. I also read Lamentations 3, which talks about while all this stuff is going on, I will trust in God. I turned to the Psalms, and there was a particular verse, Psalm 34, 18, that really struck me. He said this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That was me right then. That's where I was at. I felt crushed in spirit. I felt broken hearted. And I know use that verse to declare the truth. As the truth in that verse says, the Lord is close to those who are broken hearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I declared that truth. I said, God, I thank you that you're close to me right now. I thank you that you will save me. I used Psalm 13 as a prayer. I prayed it out loud. I prayed Psalm 25, 16 to 18, which says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. And then I've got a book that I've written down, various characteristics of God. And I found the page which talks about God being Father, and I read those over. And I noticed in there a verse that I'd written down from Psalm 68, which says, He is a father the fatherless. Wow. We need to deal with our disappointment. Working through that brought me freedom. Yeah, there was more to come. As I said, I thought I dealt with it until other things came along. We need to keep short accounts. We need to keep processing it. Being real with God, coming before him, using the Psalms to help us. Thanking him for what he is doing, reminding ourselves of who he is and his promises. Because <coughs> undealt with disappointment is toxic, it's a poison, and it leaves us crushed. Proverbs 17 says this A cheerful heart is good medicine. We like that bit, don't we? Second part of that verse says, But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. Disappointment makes our spirit crushed and it dries up our bones. God doesn't want to leave us like that. When you think of dry bones, I don't know about you, but I think of Ezekiel 37. God spoke to this prophet Ezekiel and showed him a valley of dry bones. Maybe it looked a bit like that. Part of dry bones, life had clearly left those things years before. There was nothing left, they were just bones, and yet what did he say? God said to Ezekiel, speak to those bones, and I will breathe life into them, and I will breathe flesh on them again. I will restore hope, is where he was going with it. This is Israel, I will bring hope. God wants to breathe hope afresh today, like he did for me at that Resonate conference. I was left with hope rekindled. And it may well be painful, it may well be messy, and it will definitely involve a process, but God wants to bring life to those of us who are feeling crushed. Those who are... Who, who just feel overwhelmed with disappointment. There's been one thing after another. Perhaps you've got this great big mound under the carpet like I did. My mound's still there. It's just smaller. It's not all finished yet. But I'm working through it. And I want to keep working through it because I know, as I do, I'm experiencing greater levels of joy and freedom. And God would offer that for any of you this morning. We need to choose to come up above the water and breathe in. We need to choose to act on it. So we're gonna. I'm going to get the band to come up to play a song or two. And as we do, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And you might decide, actually, yeah, this is something that... I've been avoiding. I've been brushing things under the carpet, maybe for years. God would say now's the time. He's already been speaking before I even got up here in different ways through the words that were brought. And maybe you want to step forward as a sign saying, yes, God, I'm going to make a point of doing this now. And it it might be that God brings you a sense of hope rekindled here in the moment. There may well be tears. We'll make sure we get some tissues. Hopefully we can find some tissues around here. You might decide, actually, you need to book in a time with God soon. Don't put it off while it's in your mind. Maybe book, book a slot one evening or during the day. Book some time. I want to do business with you, God. I want to work through some of this stuff. You know, just like we did with the offering this morning, some of you maybe wrote an IOU or a pledge on here. Maybe you need to write an I owe me, a little note to yourself. I need to go away and do something. And just like with an IOU and an offering, you need to make sure you redeem it, you then go away and deal with it. Maybe it's getting alongside a trusted friend and saying, look, can I just talk some of this stuff through? I need to get it off. Maybe it's writing it down. But this is too important to leave. Trust me, I know. We will be disappointed. It's what we do with it that's important. We can't avoid it. We need to deal with it and deal with it in a healthy way. So we're going to worship. We're going to focus on God. If you want to physically make a step forward saying, yeah, this is me. I want to make a stand today that I want to deal with this. I want to start the journey of working through things. You can do that by coming forward. Or maybe you want to make a little note on a bit of paper. I owe me some time with God to deal with this. Don't avoid it. Don't avoid it. Stop drinking the poison and walk into the freedom that God's got for you.